guys, welcome back to the Freedom Flipping Podcast. We're all about building up and selling online assets to achieve financial freedom. This is episode 10 and on today's show I've got a great guest, Corin Woodmus from the FBA Broker. Corin is a great guy, I met him at an entrepreneurial meetup barbecue in Prague last summer and Corin has very cleverly niched down into a very exciting part of the brokerage business buying and selling of FBA sites fulfilled by Amazon, people who have created product businesses on the Amazon marketplace. And we discuss what the opportunities are, what the multiples are, and the new types of investors coming through that make it a very exciting space to pay attention to. The URL for this episode is at richardpater.com forward slash the FBA broker. I hope you enjoy. I think you will. Cheers, guys. Hey, how's it going, Corin? I'm doing well, Richard. Yourself? I'm doing good. Thanks, buddy. Whereabouts in the world are you calling in from? Um, I'm in Prague at the moment. Ah, very nice. Met last year. We did. You still there? Um, I've traveled a bit since then, but I'm back. (laughs) Summer in Prague is too good to pass up, mate. I agree. It's a beautiful spot. Yep. Uh, Where were you beforehand? You out in Thailand or? Um, Before here. Um, Vietnam. I was in Vietnam in the middle of the country, Da Nang, by the beach there for about a month or six weeks. Yeah. And um, yeah, most of that time between um, Prague last year when when we caught up and now and back in Prague has been (laughs) um, a little bit of everywhere, actually. The UK um, and Thailand and Vietnam mostly. And you travel, it's your wife, uh, Leanne's your wife, yeah? Yes, correct. Yeah, you, and you two obviously traveling together. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. we are. <laughs> For the most part. For the most part. It's huh? better if you take your wife. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So, yeah, the FBA broker. I think this time last year, it was just a, it was kind of being formed, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I was nervously niching down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, well, I mean, it, it looks like you've, you've got a great niche and uh, the site is built out and you're doing great reports on the, on the industry and it's uh yeah i had a, had a look at your your may report and some of the stats are incredible it's a it's a big sub niche of uh of online assets being being sold and, and the uh the sales prices are much higher than i expected yes yeah so um we can dig into those um uh, those details it's it's kind of deceptive the top level data um so yeah i'm happy to drill down into why those multiples are like they are and a couple of um, things to consider. But yes, as a, as a whole, there are a lot more deals happening than I was expecting as well. When we started the report, I think we started in uh, August, 2016. Mm -hmm. And um, from then until now, the volume of, of deals being closed and listings coming out have just exploded. Um, There's over 50 odd brokers now, um, listing businesses in the FBA space wow. by Amazon and or have Amazon as a sales channel. I should qualify that mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to be included in the report. Basically a business needs to sell physical products and at least one sales channel needs to be through Amazon. So uh, that's, that's where that data is coming from. Uh, I see. Okay. And there's a, a bunch of kind of uh, FBA uh, niche specific brokers that have uh, are kind of uh, cropping up, or is it that traditional brokers or online brokers are adding this to their to their repertoire? Yeah, mostly, uh, definitely all the online brokers. Um, there's no one else that's niched down this this far. Yeah, um, And so yeah, it's your online brokers, it's marketplaces, um, also traditional brick and mortar 
business brokers, and there's a sub-trend, mm. sub-trend of people listing <laughs> their own businesses for sale, which is quite interesting. So that's something I'm monitoring um, closely because I think that's that'll be interesting moving forward to see how many of these deals actually close and what sort yeah. of multiples they're listing at and, and eventually selling for. Are these people uh, more experienced? They've, they've sold businesses before and they've been through the process and they have the documents? Um, to be honest, I haven't, I've, I've tried to reach out to one. Um, he had a decent sized business with a crazy low multiple. And um, my initial <laughs> thought was, if this is legit, I'll buy it myself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it good. Um, so I reached out to him. Uh, we started some back and forth. Uh, the email was coming from the domain. So it was definitely one of the partners that I was talking to. And yep. then the conversation just died um, despite multiple follow-ups. So the, the problem of selling yourself, I guess it's similar to selling a house or it's definitely more complicated than just selling a house. But um, having that third party mm. involved when I was buying and selling prior to becoming a broker, that was a no-brainer to use a broker. So Yeah, um, me too. It's, it's uh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> just after, yeah, definitely. Just after we met, uh, I think during that time, I was just listing um, my first business on, on Empire, a little small e-commerce store, um, and that got sold that summer. And then I've just sold uh, another content site um, with Evie International, um, and that was a, a bigger one. So I've been through both of their process, and uh, it's really, yeah, it's, it, they, it's a lot of support. You know, I still you know relatively new in this game in terms of uh, uh selling businesses so i definitely wanted uh someone to take care of the whole process but i mean going forward it's kind of interesting because the the commissions are, are pretty high i mean i know it's standard and uh, i know the service is is great but it's uh, it's something to to consider kind of uh with the with the next one do i do i want to give 15 percent uh commission away uh, but for, for new people if you're selling the first time i i, I wouldn't even uh, I wouldn't recommend considering selling yourself or trying trying to sell yourself. Absolutely. Well, congratulations first and foremost on the two <laughs> two exits, mate. That's Thanks, pretty bro. awesome. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, great. Well, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm a broker, so I'm I'm obviously biased. Um, prior sure. to being a broker, I was investing myself. I was buying and selling um, small affiliate sites, um, uh, Amazon associate sites. Yeah. Um, sites and I built and sold a smaller e-commerce business myself so um yeah so back then when I was looking I was definitely going through brokers and and looking at what options are out there and a lot of them have a lot of good resources so that that helps educate you on the industry as well um I am actually half about putting out some content um, as far as how to help people sell their own FBA business, because there is a portion of the market that maybe a broker isn't right for them um, for various reasons. Yeah. Maybe there's a niche in, in that portion as well. It's something that's kind of kicking around in my mind. I'm not sure if I'll actually do it or not. Yeah. Uh, super busy with what we've got going on but it's something in the back of my mind that maybe could be worth putting out into the world more of the smaller uh, size businesses yes yeah, small there's a, there's a couple of so 
to give you an idea, um, the deal flow that we've got to right now, so about a year just being focused on FBA, the deal flow is at a point where we get a lot of businesses coming through, having a lot of discussions with people, I'm actually passing on three out of every four listings that potential listings. Ah, interesting. And there's, I get asked why we're doing this. So there's a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is we have a minimum requirement because mm -hmm. I actually work with everyone hands-on from beginning to end. So there's only so much of my time that I can, <laughs> I can put into this. I can't have 100 listings right yeah. now. In the future, maybe, but at, at this present time, that's not an option. Um, a, a lot of the, the deals that we're passing on, they're either too small um, so right now, our, our buyer pool are looking for 100, 100 to 200,000 minimum in SDE or cash flow mm -hmm. plus. So that's annual net profit. Yep. Above. So really listing something smaller than that isn't, isn't for our buyer pool and it's, it's too small for us. Um, the second thing that we're passing on is businesses where in the FBA space specifically, this is very common, where someone sells super generic products. So maybe it's a, you know, a, if you've heard any of the FBA podcasts, maybe it's a garlic press and they don't put any oh, yeah. other, <laughs> it's any always other a garlic press, yep. branding or anything <laughs> into it. It's just another yep. garlic press. And that's what you're selling. Now, you may have got some rankings and you've got some sales, which is awesome. Maybe you've got some great reviews, then competitors come in because someone talks about the niche or other people find your niche um, and come in and there's, there's tons of competition, they're super aggressive, they drop the price and over time you just see that your net profit starts to decline. So if, if you're in super generic products, the way to grow this business or even keep it stable is to expand your product line aggressively and that has to continue and even um, jumping ahead a little bit, but what we're seeing on the buy side is buyers expecting or wanting the seller to actually help them with the next one or two products or direction and where to go next. That's that's something that's big because they understand they need to keep expanding the business. So we're often passing when business has um, very generic products, super competitions come in and the trend of the business overall is declining. Sometimes it's very sharply declining mm -hmm. as in year over year, maybe 50 to 100% down. And yeah. that's just not a good position to be in. A buyer doesn't want that. So it needs to be growing or steady at, at the minimum for mm -hmm. us to get involved. And if there's some sort of proprietary element, really good branding, you know, great reviews, that type of thing, um, or best case scenario where there's multiple channels of income, that's the ideal scenario to be in. So not just FBA, you mean? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they have, say, a website that's driving a lot of traffic to their listing. So I multiple see. sources of traffic is great. Multiple sources of income is even better. Yep. And with the generic products, because uh, I'm looking at the your May uh, 2017 guide uh, that I downloaded at fbabusinesspriceguide.com, um, and on the final page, there's the pie chart with the different business types and the vast majority, 47% are private label. So with the generic products, is that pretty much that is private label? <laughs> um, or how would you kind of, uh, what would be the kind of uh, the warning sign for, for what would be considered a generic product if you are private labeling and you wanted to, to sell? Sure. So the, that's a great question, actually. So the, the label of private label itself, 
doesn't necessarily mean that it's super generic, but if you're looking at a business to buy, or if you're thinking about products that you're selling yourself, I'll give you, give you an idea. So if you're looking at a business to buy the, the listing information from the broker or wherever you're getting the information from, generally won't say whether it's a private label generic product or a private label unique product. Mm-hmm. It will, however, say if it's proprietary or patented in some way because that will actually increase the multiple. So you need to filter down and, and figure out, is this a, a product that they've just grabbed off a supplier? Maybe they started with Alibaba or something like that and they've just ordered something generic and now they're doing yeah. by a volume. So Interesting. Yeah, you really need to ask what type of product it is. And if you're selling the product yourself, if it's very easy to source this product Mm -hmm. and you put no effort into design or differentiating the product at all, then you're a a generic private label product. I see. And the average multiple uh, is three and a half X, which is typically a lot higher than the average kind of content or affiliate site. Uh, Yes. Is that kind of... uh, so unique proprietary products, maybe that would be 4X and private label would be 2.5 or 3X. Is that, is, uh, is that how it goes? Yeah, the super generic products can even be as low as 2X. Interesting, so, yep. Yeah, it, it doesn't really... The, the strange thing about the marketplace right now, looking at all of the listings, as of um, end of April, there was 153 active listings that have an FBA channel. Now, within that, that range, it's we're seeing that brokers in general and the marketplace in general aren't necessarily um, giving more weight to something that's proprietary or more defensible just yet. I think that that will change and it's definitely changed from when we started. Yeah, interesting. I think it's the same with uh, recurring affiliate commissions. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Up to now, it's kind of been valued as the same as if it was one-off kind of affiliate products. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, the industry is, is maturing and recognizing um, the different types of multiples that, that can be applied. So if someone wanted to uh, start out in FBA and, uh, you know, wanted to build out an FBA business with the intention of, of selling um, as, the, as the exit, um, what would you recommend? What's the easiest way to, to get into selling on Amazon um, and kind of what would be your your strategies? Is that some of the content that you'll be building out or you're just going to be focused on people who have got sizable businesses um, and targeting them? Or do you have kind of strategies for, for new people? Great question. Um, I'm leaving most of the education for new people to the, the tons of information already out there. But yeah. I can give you an idea of um, what buyers are looking for, which may help. Now, the, the first thing I'll say, if you're starting from scratch, is really think about the FBA business model as a business model first and figure out if it's right for you. I've got a lot of clients that, that find success relatively quickly in sort of 6, 12, 24 months from starting. They've got massive seven-figure businesses, seven-figure revenue businesses, right? And a lot of these guys, they have to learn inventory management, they're realizing that a lot of their capital is going back, having to be reinvested in product because it's an inventory-based business. Um, Their day-to-day with customer support and dealing with suppliers and dealing with Amazon constantly changing, maybe building out a team to support all of this, isn't exactly what they thought it would be going in. Mm -hmm. So that's why 
some of the people that I talk to that are, are looking to sell that they've just had enough of the, <laughs> of the business model. Yeah. They didn't realize what it would be to run this type of business. So I'd run through that scenario first. If you, um, if you know anyone that's doing well in FBA, really have a, have a coffee, have a lunch with them, get on the phone with them and really dig mm. in day to day life and see <laughs> business wise, of course, and, uh, and see if that matches the type of day to day that you would like to be a part of. And obviously you can hire people for the parts you're not good at, that type of thing. But really, really think about that. Number one. Um, number two would be, it depends. So if you have a, a background or a passion in the inventory based business and you have some sort of prior knowledge in some sort of niche or market, maybe lead with that. Um, the, the days of just finding great products that are selling and finding something very generic, putting it out there, slapping your label on it, they're dying. Um, it's still actually very viable in the UK and EU, particularly in Germany. Um, from what I'm seeing, um, there's, there's still opportunity to do that, but longer term to get the highest multiple, you need to build something that's really hard to do. So you want a couple of things. You want something that's unique or proprietary in some way. Patented would be best, but that's another level altogether. Not everyone has the skill set for that and the budget to do that off the gate, out of the gate. Um, the next thing you want to look at is how can you really double down on this once it's working? How can you drive more traffic? So maybe coming up with a niche that you can build a website around <laughs> and drive traffic to Amazon or drive traffic to an e-commerce or something that you're, you're very good at is driving through people through funnels, right? So maybe there's something off of Amazon that you can do. And if, if you can get to a point where 30% or more of your income is coming from outside of Amazon, that's a really good spot to be in. A, a buyer will see that as worth something. If it's five or ten percent, or under five percent, which a lot of businesses are in this case, it's not so. Yeah. Okay. So what what's the um kind of average uh, percentage of uh, with FBA as a sales channel for these businesses that are being listed? Um, it's is it a minority or is it a majority of the uh, of the sales? Sure. So right now, the majority of businesses that are private label or, or unique private label, most of the income is coming from Amazon. And what I'm actually seeing as a massive opportunity right now, say you have a skill set in content marketing, PPC, e-commerce, traditional, <laughs> traditional off Amazon e-commerce, mm -hmm. if you have experience in that, and you can come in and buy some of these FBA businesses, build them out so they're more stable, more diversified, you can turn around in a couple of years and flip that for a, a massive multiple. Um, so I have worked with um, a couple of private equity guys and oh. one of them was actually involved in the largest transaction last year that happened in the Amazon space. And this business went for, he couldn't tell me the details, of course, so it's uh, all confidential, but it was high single digit as a multiple of cash flow. So that could be anywhere from, it was definitely above five. <laughs> so between five and 10 times multiple and the business was massive. So by my calculation, that 
exit would have been between the 60 to 80 million mark. And he was on the vetting team for that on the buy side, which is quite interesting. Now, what he was saying was with his own money outside of his job, because he didn't get equity in that, that was literally his day job. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, he's looking at using his own capital to do what he calls multiple arbitrage and pull a bunch of these smaller brands together, pull them together, make them stronger however you can, either um, you know, getting economies of scale on similar product lines or things mm -hmm. like this, and then um, diversifying if possible and high selling for a higher multiple. So that's what he's, he's looking to do. So that is actual, could potentially be your best option. If you have some capital and a skill set outside of Amazon, that could be an option for you right now. So with the higher multiples, it sounds like it's being driven by the size of the business, which is a kind of a standard practice, you know, bigger, much bigger sites tend to get bigger multiples. Um, yes. I'm hearing it's uh, diversification of products will get a better multiple. Also diversification of traffic sources, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, content sites, uh, selling there, and then also uh, driving traffic to Amazon. Um, right. So, would you recommend someone, if someone was new to this, wanted to get into selling uh, with FBA, uh, that they start with building out a single product on FBA or they would start with a content site uh, and start there and then uh, look as uh, consider FBA as one channel of, uh, of many to be built out? Depends on your skill set. Um, depends on your capital that you need to invest. Um, the FBA business model isn't really one where you can start with low amount of capital and get yeah. as quickly. You'll either need to reinvest absolutely everything or you'll need to invest a decent amount straight away. And if we're talking about going from scratch right now, it's quite tough to rank new products on Amazon because they've changed um, a lot of things about ranking on Amazon that used to work very well. The review change is probably the biggest. You used to be able to go out to third party services, give a, a massive mm -hmm. discount for your product and ask for an honest review. And Amazon went through and about October last year, just killed all of those reviews, deleted them, deleted Amazon accounts. It was, it was, it was pretty epic. Uh, <laughs> it took out a lot of businesses. I see a lot of dips. When we're looking at P&Ls, we see a lot of dips around October last year um, for many businesses. So that changed the landscape of how you rank something on Amazon. So you really need to learn skills outside of Amazon to even push sales to begin with right now. So ranking a product can take a little bit longer. So depending on your skill set, if you do have content and SEO kind of background, it may be worth trying to go into your niche through the side and figure out, you could also figure out with the Amazon affiliate dashboard to see what's selling, what people are buying with that product. It won't always be related, but maybe it will give you some ideas. And then you actually have a traffic source down the line to drive sales. Yeah. So that could be a smart way to do things. Um, I still maintain that it would be, if, if I was coming into it, depending on the cash you have, if you have a couple of hundred grand to go into this, buying is a real option. Yeah, it sounds like it now. If you've got up to 50, maybe not. Maybe that's 30 to 50 range is, is a good way to get started in your own products and yeah. build out fairly quickly if you've got under 30 
yeah, maybe look at the, or maybe even under 10, maybe look at the content route first and then build out or look at a different business model. Yeah. It sounds like it's, uh, it's been a bit of a land grab and, uh, it sounds as if, you know, with, with niche sites, it's, uh, there's still a way of, you know, finding profitable niche niches and, um, and ranking in, in Google, but it sounds as if, if you're starting new and you don't have much money, uh, to throw at it, that it's getting very hard to, to rank or to outrank existing, uh, uh, suppliers. So it sounds like that, that, you know, the market is, is about to really, uh, heat up in terms of, of acquisitions that that seems to be the only channel, uh, remaining is to purchase, uh, you know, existing product that already ranks, um, rather than try and throw money and, and get, a, you know, a brand new product to rank. So it sounds like you're in a, a good market at the right time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, that, that, is, that is what we're seeing. Um, I think that's the best overview of, of starting out right now. It is still possible. It just takes longer and it takes more capital. So, yeah. yeah. Most, most guys, even with chops on ranking products on, on Amazon, are looking on the buy side. If maybe they've had a couple of exits or they yeah. have more capital, they are looking at what's available to buy as well as building out their own new brand from scratch. Interesting. And do you still recommend AMZ Tracker for software to help people understand the, the volume and how difficult uh, a product w will be? I know that Leanne had some, uh, was, was working with, with Travis uh, at some point. Was that true? Uh, yes. Yes, she was. <laughs> Good. She was uh, employee number one. Ah, okay, cool. Which is great. <laughs> um, yeah, she was, uh, she was at AMZ Tracker um, once they started to expand. Um, yeah. The, the tool itself is becoming less useful. I think there's definitely other tools out there that can, that can help as well. Um, the, the product lineup now for Amazon SaaS is there's a, a ton of options. Um, I am seeing people using it less as far as what we see on our P&Ls. Um, there's less AMZ. Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. Interesting. Yeah, you'll, see, you'll have access to all of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think <laughs> One of the main reasons for that, one of the biggest advantages you had with AMZ Tracker was the review club. They had a massive review club to, yeah. to help you rank and um, you can still push sales and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's, it's still an option, um, but it's one of many now and it's, it's probably not the top um, pick, but it depends what you need to do. For keyword tracking, it's still, it still works very well. I had a look, I clicked on Leanne's profile uh, in Dynamite Circle and the link goes to a supplement uh, website. Is, uh, is that what Leanne is focused on right now, building up a, a supplement business? Yes. Yeah. So the, the focus was on that up until recently, until the brokerage got too uh, oh, very too cool. Busy. <laughs> so <good>. now <laughs> Leanne's actually um, in charge of our vetting process uh, and also... Okay. Um, helps me put together the report and we're um, in the middle of hiring right now. So um, she has a background in um, uh, project management and procedures and things training for a, a large corporate in Australia before we left home. And um, that's what she's working on in the other room right now. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. For um, the, the next hire or two that we'll be doing. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and then, so the buyer list, uh, you've been very busy, you know, finding suitable buyers and building that out. Um, is that, has that been relatively easy? Is Amazon, you know, uh, a kind of, uh, 
a very attractive market for uh, for investors or, or private equity people? Is it seen as uh, one of the more interesting or attractive uh, parts of, of the whole online asset uh, uh, spectrum out there? Yes, and I've got a couple of theories on why this is. So um, for the most part, I believe right now the marketplace on the buy side, at least, is around 70 to 80% brand new to Amazon. So they've never had an Amazon business themselves. This is under the million dollar range, mind you. Yeah. Um, they're, they're high paid executives. They're looking to get a better return on their capital. Um, maybe they're looking to replace their income or maybe they're retiring or retired and they're looking to get a better return and, and work on a business that doesn't take a lot of time. And a couple of the reasons why they're looking at this, one of the most common reasons is they say, well, I shop on Amazon all the time. <laughs> um, that's, that's one of the biggest things. They're hearing about Amazon in the news and that type of thing. They think, oh, get, get it on this. The second thing is it's actual physical products. So unlike an info product or content yeah. that someone older or more traditional just doesn't really understand or get, maybe they look at it, yeah, that's fine, but I'm not paying half a million dollars for this or whatever. Whereas this is physical products. They can actually order the products when they're vetting the business. They can hold them in their hand. They can come up with ways to make them better. They can tell their friends about it. Hey, buy this product from me, that type of thing. So that's feeling <laughs> interesting. The other thing that is, um, is drawing people in the, the majority is that it's a secondary way to make return on capital. So you've got the return on capital from buying the business, but then you've also got the ongoing returns from inventory. And in most cases you can buy, you can get economies of scale. You can buy more inventory, get a better margin. And if you've got more capital, if you're coming into the business with more capital, that's one of the first things you'll do is look at how much more of this widget do I need to buy to drive my profit up? <laughs> and that's, that's one thing that's very common as well. So you're coming with more money and you can drive the, the price that you're purchasing it uh, down? Exactly, exactly. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, um, maybe get better terms, all that type of thing. And also you're, uh, you're benefiting from credit card points as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. And you're US-based, which most of our buyers are. Yes, that's a huge... Yeah, it's, it's not the case in the UK, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> that really is a big, big uh, bonus or a motivator. If, if that was uh, the case here, um, I, I might be considering FBA. I've dabbled in FBA. I've, I've had a play. I sold some ski wax just for the hell of it, <laughs> just to learn how it works. Uh, it was fun. And I, I actually, I, I got the, uh, is it called bought the buy box? I haven't done this for a couple of years, but I actually uh, kicked out the, uh, the previous person who was supplying it. I just completely undercut them. Uh, just to see how that works. So it was fun. It was good. It was, it was competitive. You know, I made like one pound on a, on a bar of ski wax, but <laughs> I, I learned quite, quite a bit about that. Um, so these buyers uh, with uh, kind of, I guess, more uh, a new type of, um, of money, a new type of investor coming in than traditional, than, than I guess was the case a few years ago. Um, well, I, I guess that the, the buyer side was more people who were experienced and had built websites but now you know a lot of people with their pension funds or um or, or the private money looking basically looking for any kind of yield mm -hmm. so are most of these people happy to be owner operators or are they looking to be pure investors and have a team run it for them um yeah that's a great question so 
With the private investor side, I think if there was a decent option for them to put their money to work and have it more passive, I think a decent majority would probably um, take that as an option. There's not really um, a lot of ways to do that publicly yet. There are a few private funds that are, are working and some of them are doing well, some of them have failed altogether and some of them are just kind of starting out. So um, that's an interesting side of the business, uh, the market that we'll see grow over the, the near term. Um, but a lot of these people, maybe it's split even in the middle. A lot of them just kind of think, well, it's a, it's a product business, it's kind of passive, it's not a lot of time investment, I'll have a go at running this myself. And often they'll lean on the, the seller to educate them and kind of get them up to speed on how to run the business and also how to grow the business. So if they're coming at this from, uh, I've got one buyer specifically I'm thinking of right now that is has a, a very decent salary and he's looking to roll up a couple of different businesses to replace that salary. He's also looking to sell off one of his smaller brands and uh, we're discussing that at the moment. So this is quite an interesting one. So he, his wife runs most of the business and for him, he's looking at return on capital first. Yeah. The secondary thing is how many more of these, how many more products do we need? How many more businesses do we need to buy to replace my income? And he's very motivated to get there. And for him, he doesn't mind tinkering with, with this kind of stuff. And then he has his wife um, at home running the actual business. Interesting. With the, uh, the size of the, uh, of the, of the uh, sale price uh, being, the average being over, over a million, over seven figures, is there much seller financing happening or uh, do buyers have, uh, you know, the, the new buyers that are coming in, they, they can cover that amount? Sure. So I love this question. Um, let's break this down into price points. So the FBA marketplace as a whole has a very high average list price, but let's talk about price ranges. So in the 100 to 500, maybe even to a million, that what I was saying before is around 70, 80% are brand new um, private investors looking to, for the most part, use their own cash in that range. There is some smaller private equity firms um, that are looking at, at buying multiple businesses. So they're looking in that range as well, around the half a million plus range right now. And then around the million to five million range, million to three, million to five, there's a bit of a black hole as far as um, capital. So it's, it's rare for someone to, a private investor, to have say $3 million in cash, liquid, ready to go. That's quite rare. <laughs> and what we're seeing in that one to 5 million range is a mix of finance to get this done. So typically it might be a third, a third down in cash, some sort of debt. So a third in, in debt, and that could be something like an SBA loan. It could be lines of credit. It could be other, other debt sources. And the third, quarter of the the other third of that um, is typically some seller financing so it doesn't necessarily need to be broken down in thirds and um, but that's kind of what we're seeing is a mix mix of funding to get these deals done i see and going back to the value of a team if the average multiple is three and a half um if 
it was uh, uh, there was no automation in place. There was no outsourcing. Uh, it was the uh, the seller was doing everything. How much would the multiple be reduced from from three and a half? Uh, and I know it's, it's not a precise game, but is, are we talking like a half a multiple or or even one? Like, what is the value of having a team in place and and having it passive? Sure. So it depends on the size of the business, and it depends on the amount of hours that the seller is actually required to work each week. So we actually have a deal coming up where it's in the uh, probably listing around the 600-ish range. Um, The seller doesn't have any assistance at all um, running the business. He has a couple of contractors he goes to from time to time, but pretty much the day-to-day is just him. However, he's managed to really reduce the amount of time that he personally needs to run the business. So this is a situation where it it should be valued higher that you have a team of people running the business. Mm -hmm. With Amazon business, you have Amazon running a lot of the fulfillment and logistics and first layer of customer service. So it's not uncommon to have a business where maybe they only work five or 10 hours a week, but they do it all themselves. So this would be a problem in this scenario if the seller was working, say, 40 or 50 hours a week, um, that would be a problem. But in this case, I um, actually know this person personally. um, So I've seen (laughs) that that actual lifestyle uh, (laughs) firsthand. So I I know that this is the case, um, which is awesome. I mean, um, (laughs) I'm surprised that he's been able to pull this off. On the, as a whole, it is better to have people helping you run the business, especially if, if there's a lot of repetitive tasks that you need to do day in, day out, and it's taking up more than, say, 10 hours a week. It's very, you know, if there's two businesses that are the same price, one's, they're both, say, under 10 hours of owner time required, but one has a team of people that are helping run the business and the other doesn't, everything else being equal, Mm -hmm. the buyer would probably lean towards, especially a new buyer to Amazon, would lean towards a team because there's people to help them out after the sale. So yeah, it's it's better to have a team, but it's not the be all end all. Um, if If the business is larger, absolutely. If you're in the seven figure plus range, um, Going, going into eight figures, definitely a team comes into play because there's investors at that point and they, they don't want to be running the business. What is the most repetitive part of running an FBA business? Um, depending on the business, but I believe overall, I would say customer service. So depending on the, the product, maybe if you're in apparel, there could be more customer service. If you're in something else that's more generic and kind of an everyday product that you, you know, it does what it says on the tin. Maybe you'd be looking at less customer service. Customer service would be number one. And number two would be dealing with your suppliers. So that would be the two, two main cool, things. Cool. And so you're saying there's a, a minimum asset uh, value of a hundred thousand to, uh, for you, for you guys to consider listing, uh, listing the business. Um, we're actually pushing a little bit higher into the two two hundred thousand and above range right now. Cool, cool. So right. you you've got that with one product. <laughs> is that something that could be sold, or is there a minimum number of products and one would be way too risky for for a buyer? Sure, we actually have a, a we've just developed a scorecard for this, and um, 
I know there's there's valuation tools out there and, and the like. What I wanted to do was kind of work out all of these um, things for an FBA business specifically. Yeah. And um, I can actually send you the link to this, but um, I'll just pull it up so I can actually cool, cool. go through the, the sections. So yeah, definitely products come into play. Um, the type of business, the age of the business will come into play. Um, with products at that 200,000 range, if you just have one product with no variations, it's just a standalone product, the valuation on that would probably, the multiple would definitely be lower. And buyers would be nervous, especially if the income and traffic was only internal with Amazon, a buyer would be very nervous. If you've got five products in the same niche, that's better. If you've got 10 products in two separate niches, that's more diversified and more, more defensible as um, there's less that could go wrong potentially um, as far as an aggressive competitor or something like that. And mm -hmm. that's, Ascent comes into play again as well. So one of the things we're looking at when we look at product lines is how much income is each line making? And does one, one product line make the bulk of the income? If it's more than 30%, even if you have 20 products, if one product line is over 30%, says 50 or 60% of the income, we'll price that differently because that, a buyer will see it differently. They'll see it as more risk. Very interesting. And so the average uh, multiple is around three and a half. I think for, you know, content sites, affiliate sites, it is going up, uh, but I'd, I'd be, uh, I, I wouldn't imagine it's more than around two and a half right now uh, would be, would be an average. Say that there's a, that kind of one, one X difference. Um, what is, uh, where is the added value of FBA over just a, a traditional content site or a more regular do you think FBA businesses have a higher multiple than, than standard e-commerce as well? So, okay. So let's unpack this. Yeah, a little what, bit. What, what is the additional, there seems to be additional yeah. value here. And is it the fact that it's once it's established, it's, it's harder to lose that, uh, that ranking harder to be, uh, harder for, uh, you know, a competitor to come in and take your business than it would be in Google. So, um, to, to unpack that multiple a little bit, it's, this isn't just for um, private label FBA only businesses. So this is, this could be e-commerce businesses with Amazon as an income source. So, so keep that in mind. Um, so basically what we're seeing with the market as a whole, when we look at e-commerce businesses and e-commerce with an Amazon income channel, mm -hmm. about half that market, the age on these, these businesses is quite high. Okay, so the business age comes into play, which gives you a higher multiple. That's true. They've got potentially, um, I mean, the, the, based on the listings in the May report, the average age was seven and a half years. Yeah, I'm just I saying mean, that. Interesting, yeah. Some of these businesses have been around a long time and Amazon are just one channel. Oh, so I see. That's not the case if it's a two or three-year-old Amazon private label business that only sells on Amazon. What, what would be so, the multiple of that typically? Sure. So if, if they're in the two to three year range, you've got a decent spread of products, but you're Amazon only, you'd be looking at between the two and a half to three X multiple, depending on a few different factors. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That, that makes sense. That's cool. Very interesting. It sounds like it's a really uh, explosive area. Um, 
I mean, FBA business, I mean, when was the first one that was sold? Maybe, you know, less than a couple of years ago. It's, it's a very new uh, area that we're, we're talking about. Yeah, I think specific or um, Amazon dependent income source businesses mm-hmm. at the end of 2015 was the first at least public sale that, that really happened on a marketplace or with a broker. Yeah. And now it's, it's very common for these to sell. And if you added in the e-commerce businesses that have been around longer, maybe there was prior to that, there was e-commerce businesses sold where say 10% of their income was coming via Amazon. You know what I mean? But like yeah. the, the specific FBA type model that we, that we know and talk about now. Um, yeah. It's only been a couple of years. Very cool, man. Very cool. Um, thanks so much. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, I've hit you up with a lot of questions, but I feel I've, uh, I've learned, <laughs> learned a lot on this call about FBA and, uh, I think it's, it's for more established, uh, you know, people, people with some, some capital behind them, maybe some, uh, earlier success. Uh, it's, it feels like it's a bigger game and you know, the, the type of, of buyer, uh, pool coming in with, with more traditional investors and private equity guys would suggest that it is a more attractive and bigger, bigger game than, you know, buying, you know, building up a 300,000, uh, asset kind of content site. It, it feels, uh, much bigger business and much bigger opportunity for uh, for larger exits and uh, and kind of big return on capital for everyone involved. Absolutely, yeah. It's um it's very interesting on the sell side. It's definitely a seller's market, and the the buyer pool just keeps growing and growing, and they have a lot of cash to spend. So yeah, if you can if you can build out one of these, or like we were talking about earlier, buy a couple and put them together, get some synergies happening maybe put in employees if there wasn't employees before something like that and build that net income up. It's yeah. There's a ton of buyers looking for essentially what's hard to replicate is what will always be the most valuable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, even at these multiples, you know, we're still talking about, uh, you know, 30% ROI <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, on, on the purchase price, which is, which is obviously incredible. I'm kind of aware of a couple of, of funds that are being created, uh, private funds um, that will be purchasing. Uh, not, uh, I don't know any particular FBA specific ones, but funds that are buying up these online assets and managing them for, for investors. And I, I think, I really do think that's the way that this industry is going. Do you know of any specific FBA ones? Do you see a, a time when, when that will happen? Um, and, you know, investing in these businesses um, is going to become far more commonplace rather than having to actually own them yourself directly. Absolutely. Yeah. We've seen a couple of um, FBA specific funds starting to launch and some of them are larger funds putting aside a smaller percentage of the fund to try out this FBA thing. Um, Others are maybe where you've got a number of partners. Some of them could have had, a lot of success on Amazon, either operating the business, um, building something up and exiting. And maybe they've got some investor type um, partners as well involved that are either pooling their own capital or they're raising outside capital. A number of these are looking at FBA specific businesses. And there's also a number of people that are high profile in the FBA space 
that are generating interest and putting together pools of people. Um, the biggest thing that I'm seeing talked about in the, the fun side is getting competent operators on board. And um, that's something that's, that's really important. If you don't have anyone on the team that has run an FBA business before that, um, you know, it can rank products and <laughs> this yeah. ecosystem can be a really bad thing. I uh, heard through the grapevine, there was a, a large um, acquisition of a supplement based business and basically the sales tanked. They didn't understand how to get the sales back. And last I heard the business pretty much had tanked. <laughs> and that was a, a more traditional private equity arm that bought this business. Yeah understand how to how to run it they didn't have the amazon operator so i'm sure they've fixed it now um i don't know them personally i don't know the details of that specific deal just through the grapevine that's what i've heard um, but this has happened a couple of times with different uh, supplement companies so that's quite interesting are any of these fba funds public do they have urls or is it you know private uh funds and, and private invites are any of these yeah, most of public? it most of the ones I'm dealing with are very private. Yeah. Most of them don't even have websites or anything. They're just, <laughs> um, they're guys, a lot of them have private equity background themselves, yeah. or at least one partner does typically. And uh, yeah, the group of people that you're dealing with. And um, yeah, so they're, they're quite private at this point. Can you see a stage relatively soon where there will be public facing websites that attract, uh, that are going after investors? Um, it could happen. Um, I don't see why not. I think track record is probably one of the biggest things to figure out and how to buy and run things at scale. And then you've got the deal flow problem where if you raise too much capital, how do you deploy enough of that capital for the return to be any good? Yeah. So if you went out and raised 20 million right now and you only were looking at maybe a couple of businesses or spending maybe 5 million of that, if that was your criteria, that was all that was available, you've got, uh, yeah. you've got work to do to actually create a return on that. Very 20%. true. Yeah. Even if you're making 20% on what you have uh, allocated, it's, it's still, you know, 5% or less overall. And uh, for this type of risky asset, you know, perceived risky asset class, that wouldn't be enough. That's very true. I hadn't considered that. You know, raising too much capital um, is would be a big problem if, if you can't allocate it. If you go to a mixed fund, then you're spread even more thin. <laughs> so yeah. going specific versus going broad, if you raise too much too soon, it could be definitely a problem unless there's a business coming up for sale that you know is worth buying. So maybe maybe you're the operator and you're wanting to get out and maybe retain a bit of equity. There's been a few deals like this done where the, the seller or the founder is still involved in the business, but another firm has come in and raised capital to buy them out and help build the business larger. So that's, that's quite common as well. Do you think well, a strategy? Common, yeah. I'd love, I'd love that to be more common, but that's, that's another way to do it. Do you think the strategy of these funds is going to be purchasing to then flip in a few years and, and make an ROI that way as well as the cash flow? Or do you think it'd be more, you know, buying at a good price and then holding and, and uh, the, the return on equity is going to be from the, the profit? I think we're yet to see. I think a lot of people have different approaches and some of them would be 
a liquidity event would be part of their return on capital. Mm -hmm. But as to the practicality and what happens after the purchase, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not sure personally which way would be best to go. Yeah. Um, very interested in this in this um, idea though, and it's something that I've been brainstorming for about a year myself is how to do a fund properly and what would it take to get the returns and kind of working out the numbers on it and talking to different people that have acquired businesses and sold businesses. It's quite, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. No. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, so many variables involved the, the, the purchase price, um, being below, you know, what you consider it worth and then how much your expertise can add value. Um, all depends on, on whether you hold or hold or sell. It's fascinating. Um, I love the, the intersection of, you know, online entrepreneurship and, and investing. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to a really great place that just kind of hits every, everything that I'm interested in at the, at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the, it's the right time to be um, talking about this type of stuff. I think, um, you know, getting close to people that are already doing it and reaching out and having conversations like you're doing, I think that's a great idea right now is to um, kind of commentate on where the market's going and who's doing what. And uh, just by keeping a finger on the pulse, you'll see all sorts of opportunities um, for yourself. So yeah, that's awesome. Good stuff, buddy. And hopefully the listeners too. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, anything else you want to add or any questions before uh, you know, we do the sign off and uh, give the, your URL? Um, no, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Um, Good stuff, yeah, I love um, being able to talk about one of my favorite topics. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> That's great. Me, me too. And uh, yeah, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't discussed FBA before and it's a new part of, of this for me. And uh, it's just as, as interesting, maybe even, even more so with the investors. Great stuff. But thanks, Colin. Where's the, the best place for people to reach out to you? Sure. So the best place to start if you're interested in buying or selling FBA businesses is fbabusinesspriceguide.com. And on there, you'll see our latest report. We update that each month. And also every Friday, we put out a market watch email and we go through literally what's sold and what's new listed every week. So some weeks, there's quite a lot to talk about. Other weeks, there's only a couple that have maybe been listed and sold, but it's a good way to keep, keep in touch and keep an idea of what's moving in the market. So if you're looking to buy, that's a great way to see what multiples um, are out there. If you're looking to sell, it's a good way to keep a track of how many businesses are selling. And the guide itself um, obviously has um, some information that's good in there as well. We also list um, the generic information of businesses that are listed as sold. So yeah, it's a good, good way to keep a pulse on the market and keep up to date with what's moving. So yeah, that's the best best one to go to. Um, if anyone has any questions specifically about buying or selling FBA businesses and they want to reach out to me, um, my email is Corin, C-O-R-A-N, at thefbabroker.com. So they can email me and we can set up a call or have a chat about the industry as a whole. But yeah, if you're just wanting to kind of passively look at it at the minute, the, um, the price guide is probably the best place to start. Brilliant. Great stuff. Very impressive. I love the niche that you found and uh, what an exciting place to be. Absolutely. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Richard.